talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Hello, and welcome to It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie-by-movie and television series-by-television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're taking a look at Secret Invasion, first seen in June 2023, when, if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Stars on Mars, Haley's On It, or Not Quite Normal instead. I'm Tim Worthington, and we'll be finding out what I made of Secret Invasion shortly. Meanwhile, Joining us to give his thoughts on Secret Invasion is writer Martin Ruddock. Martin, where can people find you? I can usually be found in the pages of Shindig magazine, occasionally in other periodicals and on a website I really need to get around to using a bit more. Okay, so before we go any further, Martin, what happens in Secret Invasion? Well, Secret Invasion is meant to be a paranoid conspiracy theorist thriller designed to keep you guessing about who is human and who is a shape-shifting scroll but is in fact a series where, right from me off, everyone who is secretly a scroll is screamingly obviously a scroll, acts really out of character, and might as well spend the entire series holding globally televised press conferences where they scream repeatedly into a megaphone in multiple languages, hello, I am a scroll. It's kind of trying to do something that it doesn't really succeed in doing at all. I think you're absolutely spot on there. And I've got to say, in context of what I'm about to go into, my next question is sort of redundant, really. But Martin, <laughs> how much did you know about the scrolls before you saw this? I mean, scrolls, I know my Marvel lore from way back. They're Marvel's first alien race. They're you know, a shape-shifting race, generally quite hostile. A bit more nuanced than that. I think they've been done a bit of a disservice, really, with this, because, well, for reasons I'll go into slightly later. But, yeah, Scrolls first appeared, I think, second issue of Fantastic Four. They've been really kind of there from the very beginning. They're very much a fabric of the Marvel Universe. They are, you know, a repeated antagonist. I mean, that you can do so much with Scrolls because Scrolls are clever they are very, very cunning. They can disguise themselves convincingly as, well, usually humans, but they absolutely hate us. And they're kind of their sleeper agents sometimes as well. Then they're infiltrators, they're stirrers of the pot. The original Secret Invasion comic series is on its enormous scale. The scrolls kind of infiltrating and turning out to be characters who you thought couldn't possibly be a scroll. That is the comic version. This is the very, very, very scaled down version. And I don't think it works that well. Well, I was about to set up my stall from the very outset, but I just want to pick up on something about the comics version, which is, I mean, it's quite a recent comic series. I think it's from about 2007, mm. isn't it? Yeah. But 
fairly recent in the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of terms of when they're digging back to yeah. But the whole point of it was that the secret invasion was they replicated people, low-level people that nobody would notice, like Iron Fist, like Jarvis, like Spider-Woman, where nobody would suspect. Well, you know, there was actually a conversation about why didn't you replicate Norman Osborn? Well, because he's running for Congress and someone would notice Babe and Godly. It was to get into a position where they could take down people like Tony Stark and Mr. Fantastic through weight of force. But this is completely the opposite. They are just imitating the most prominent people possible. And how did nobody notice Rhodey behaving godly? That's it. Rhodey is just, he's ridiculously hawkish in the entire thing. He is super bloodthirsty and hostile. It's kind of designed, you're supposed to think, be kept guessing. Oh, is Rhodey a scroll? But no, it's, it's screamingly obvious from like the very beginning. Everett Ross, when he turns up right at the beginning, talking to an exposition man who's doing a lot of exposition on how scrolls are infiltrating society. Was like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah. And then chases him down and you're like, OK, scroll. Everybody who you are not supposed to think is potentially a scroll is a scroll. It's really oddly done. I mean, you could do such clever things with a series like this. The way it's just written and put together is just really puzzling. I've got to say, now, one of the main criticisms I get for doing this, usually from people who very clearly never listen to it, is being too defensive about Marvel. You know, talking things up where they shouldn't. I don't think that's true. I think there's a big difference between being resentful of criticism and starting from a place of positivity. Which is what yeah, I totally. do, which is why, for example, we were able to do a great episode on Morbius with James Kubray Smith because we both started from the point of we didn't expect anything more from it than it being a silly movie about two vampires. And yeah, that's where you've got to start. And, you know, I am not uncritical. There have been, you know, I've been honest about things I haven't liked. Thor The Dark World being a great example. Iron Fist, the first series of that, you know. There have been things, there will be more things Mm. coming up that I've not been as keen on. There have been plenty of episodes where I haven't enjoyed what we were talking about as much as the guests did. I think you could say that about our chat about what if. I wasn't negative about it, I think you were more positive. And also, I don't think you can really send me to prison for enjoying Eternals more than some people did. I'm sorry, if I liked it, it's not ruining your day, get over it. But in all of those cases, even with the humans, at least it was just nothing. And there were a couple of things I liked yeah. about that. This was just actively not good. And it's full of a lot of puzzling things. You kind of wonder, was it on Marvel's slate for a while? And did it go through rewrite hell? Were there availability issues? Because you've got some really great actors in this. And you've got some great characters carried over from the rest of the MCU as well. You've got a bit of star power. Amelia Clark, for example, as Talos' daughter, Gaia, who has been radicalised, but only a bit. You've obviously got Olivia Coleman, who is playing Olivia Coleman, basically, but gets a good wanking joke in at one point, I think during episode two. The episodes start to kind of run together a bit after a while. You'll see Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, and Kingsley Benadir as Gravik. I think he's brilliant but he's been given a bit of a dodgy part to play and he's basically making the best of it just through his performance. I've got to say, my reaction to graphic was normally stop fucking moaning. Yeah, it's interesting, I mean, because the character he's been given, he's resentful, he's pissed off, but it doesn't really make very clear for a while why exactly he's so pissed off. That kind of comes a little bit later. Samuel L. Jackson, I think, is really, really good in this as playing a kind of, I don't know, sort of Johnny Cash hurt version of (laughs) Nick Fury. You know, he's a bit beaten down. He's a bit 
creaky. And, you know, he does his best with the material. But it's like... Okay, so it's Nick Fury's drop ball that the scrolls who are sort of kicking around on Earth haven't been found a new planet. They're dispossessed. You kind of expect Fury to sort of own it a bit more. There's that that bugs me about it. Also, Nick Fury is married to a lady scroll who he knows is a scroll, and she may or may not kill him, but doesn't seem particularly bothered about killing him, so she probably won't, and then she just doesn't. I think that sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? Pretty much. I mean, it's one of the many things I just didn't really understand. Not yeah. that I couldn't follow it, just that I couldn't understand what he was doing there, why, and where it was leading. I mean, yeah. a bit of a trivial moan, this, but the agent showing up for one scene where he basically just says, hey, have some technic fury, and disappears. Yeah. Why? Just baffling. But the whole thing, I mean, you'd think they could have made so much more of it if Fury didn't realise he was married to a scroll. I mean, one of the best storylines I think the, the comics ever did was in Fantastic Four, when it was revealed that Johnny Storm, who thought he'd been married to Alicia Masters, was in fact married to a scroll. And she'd been in place for a few years, I think sort of nabbed during Secret Wars or something like that. And that was a bit of a kind of, this was somebody who'd actually kind of formed feelings for the person they're supposed to be spying on. This is just kind of like, okay, I'm going to get married to you. I know you're a scroll, and yeah, we'll just continue to have this slightly odd relationship. Just weird. It's like, what is the point of having these shape-shifting creatures who can be anybody? And, you know, you're supposed to drive up the dramatic tension there by literally it could, you know, they seem to pick up people's memories as well. And they put them in those little pods, which are not at all stolen off that Doctor Who Zygon story. They seem to be able to be such good infiltrators. It's supposed to be a surprise when somebody turns out to be a scroll. The only time it's a surprise when anyone turns out to be a scroll, and the whole thing is in the little confrontation, cafe confrontation between Talos and Gravik, where everyone else stands up, turns around, and is a scroll, which is quite impressive. But the rest of the time, it's like, yeah, you're kind of. It's like Marvel haven't really got faith in the prosthetics, or they're just not quite sold on the idea but they're just committed to make it well i actually felt it undid the very interesting things they've done with the scrolls in recent projects particularly in captain marvel and it left me with a lot of questions like well what happened with the scrolls that were helping nick fury build sword at the end of spider-man far from home i mean i know we will probably see them in the marvels but even so it's just one of many things that i just didn't get about it. I mean, one thing is, I feel this storyline has been done in different ways twice before. Some mm. aspects of it were Captain America the Winter Soldier and some were the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which, you know, it was literally, it was about displaced people feeling yeah. they had their home taken from them. And they had a much more engaging, I suppose, rebel slash terrorist leader in Carly Morgenthau or Flag Smasher as, you know, she was sort of Flag Smasher in the comics. But yeah. you could understand, even if if you didn't agree with it, even if you sided with John Walker to an extent, which, you know, it dared you to do, you still understood where she was coming from, why she was doing what she's doing. But the scrolls in this just seem to be petulant. and Yeah, it just they're annoyed. Work. They're just not quite sure what about. The storyline itself was just weak. It felt like... As I say, Falcon and Winter Soldier crossed with Billion Dollar Brain. <laughs> and I've got to say as well, this really bugged me. The thing about the DNA scraped from the Battle in Endgame that combined yeah. the abilities of everyone present. A, would that work? And B, does it mean they would also exhibit Kraglin's abilities, whatever they might be? You know, sort of yeah. having unsuccessful dates, I suppose. Would they turn into Howard the Duck? Because he was there. <laughs> yeah. 
I knew you were going to come to this bit. <laughs> I was thinking as well. I mean, there are a few characters who weren't there who show up on the reader right, as well. So being that super scroll scene at the end, somebody has basically gone, we want that. We want that. Just put that in. And it's I suppose it's actually quite a good way for them of actually just using the powers without needing to pay for them. OK, one of the main things that bugs me about it. So scrolls in the comics, scrolls hate humans. They find humans repulsive. They revert back to scroll form as often as they can. And there's always a bit of a filthy human slime or something like that. This lot was like, mm, we're just going to keep them just walking around in human form for as long as possible so we don't have to, we can just dial back the CGI spend on this a little bit. Okay, I mean, the scroll prosthetics are not the best, but they're not the worst. It's like, we're going to put the scrolls in this, but oh shit, we put the scrolls in this. This is like the central pillar of it, isn't it? I mean, the super scroll battle. So it, it also just ends, doesn't it? Ravik doesn't get his final last minute, he just dies. It just it just stops his fight with fury who turns out to be gaia it's just strange isn't it also you're not sure what country you're in for a lot of it no and it just really abruptly changes like so where is fury's house is it is in england or, or finland or, or norway or, or russia or russia or some yeah it's just really unclear where people are a lot time well that wasn't the only unclear thing because i'm not sure how much i can levy this as a criticism but quite often on the days when new episodes came out i was on commuter trains and i noticed so many people struggling to watch it on their phones obviously concerned that when they got into their offices someone would spoiler it for them most Mm -hmm. of it was set in fucking darkness it was impossible to watch in those circumstances yeah yeah really is the streaming revolution all it's cracked up to be if that's what's happening but yeah, it's like, I'm going to go to Finland now. But a lot of the time it's like, oh, I'm not going to say where you're going. It's all weirdly dark and dark raided anyway. And you can't really see a lot that's going on. Some of the attempts at doing spy type scenes, you know, doing a bit spooks, you know, take 24, you know, people being chucked into vans, executions out in the woodland and things like that. It's like, you know, had some reasonable action set pieces in it. But also, as you said earlier, Secret Invasion, the comic, relatively minor Marvel characters just being replaced in a kind of like cunning sort of infiltrate plan. It's like, okay, we're going to replace all these global figures who you've never seen before and therefore have no investment in. You're supposed to be kept guessing. You're supposed to be surprised. You might have a particular scroll who's going the whole way through it, who's changing form and pretending to be other characters through it. That would be a really good way of doing it. But no, 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 let's not do that. We need to concentrate on Talos's daughter who's been radicalised, but only a little bit. It's, uh, I mean, I would have really liked it if at the end when everyone was being evacuated. So there's a bit of a twist. It's like, oh, how long's Rhodey been a scroll? I reckon possibly as far back as Infinity War, because he's been a bit of a twat in that. But wouldn't it have been nice if at the end, if one of the scrolls, you know, one of one of the humans being taken out of the scroll pods would be somebody who you thought was dead? I was convinced Black Widow. Somebody like Black Widow. I yeah. thought Black Widow. I thought, wouldn't that be like a really nice rug pull, something that you just didn't expect to happen at all? It's like, no. These are the prescribed characters who are going to be in it. Okay, you've known about Everett Ross from like minute one and a half of the first episode. You've known about Rhodey arguably for years. There are occasional good bits, and I don't think Olivia Coleman, even when she's given a fairly kind of basic role like that, is capable of doing a bad job or phoning it in. I think Ben Mendelsohn gets some really great buddy movie stuff with Samuel L. Jackson in it. There's some odd stuff about the price of a fry-up or something, and... It's just 
like, yeah, I mean, I was coming up to a wedding during the latter parts of this. And I might have started drinking more heavily during the last couple of episodes, but it just felt ill-conceived and sort of undercooked, really. An invasion is here, Rody. And we can't even tell who the invaders are. Fury, why haven't you called any of your special friends? This war is one I have to fight. Living on the edge to the end of our lives. We finish sheepskin telling me lies. Alone. This world is burning, and it was you who lit the match. Tick-tock, Nick. This is personal. You're the most wanted man on the planet. Mama always said I was special. Well, I would say that it's the only time. You know, there have been other shows I haven't had as much enthusiasm for. But you've been able to see a bit more of the positives. Well, and also, I think I wasn't that bothered about seeing the episodes when they first dropped to use the modern parlance. Yeah, everything else, I was very keen to see straight away. Even when, you know, slightly underperforming shows. I watched Everything Humans when it was first available. But this, I just, it just seemed to not matter that much when I watched them. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good sign. This is the same week that Kevin Feige has sort of said the standalone shows were a good idea, but I don't think they've worked and it's going to be back to multi-series, which I would largely agree with. I thought they were a great idea at first. I think in a practical sense, they've not really worked because people don't notice they're there. And then, uh, no. you know, a tiny bit confused when they think, well, why is Wanda suddenly evil in Multiverse of Madness? I, mean, I don't buy into people saying, you had to remember episode three of Loki before you saw Quantumania. Now, Quantumania has problems of its own, but I don't think an no. over-reliance on continuity was one no. of them. I think people are exaggerating that just because it's not flavour of the month anymore. But I do feel that, yeah, they've not really worked. And I wonder if this was the last straw for them, because it was one that would have been last in post-production before that decision was taken. Absolutely. I mean, I think on one hand, okay, continuity, the whole MCU has not been for part-timers for quite some time, has it? I think the Guardians films are perhaps the easiest to just dip into. And even those very uninitiated require a little bit of homework. But it is something which is designed to reward the repeat viewer and somebody who's been keeping their eye on everything. But I think in some cases, there are things like this. To be fair, I don't think the plot itself was super hard to follow. But it just wasn't done very well. It was, I mean, okay, I'm always kind of watching things like this and sitting there and tutting and swearing and just wishing that somebody could give me a 1970s Terence Dix job and just say, just give me this and I'll turn around a page one rewrite on it and make it better for you. But it just feels like it's a bit phoned in and that's a weird thing as well when you consider that Samuel Jackson isn't just going to turn up and do any old shit. Well, to be fair, he isn't a Warburton's ad, but he isn't going to do any, any old shit, is he? It's just odd how... I think it was announced quite a long time before it came out. It was on the slate for quite a long time. So I think there was a bit of expectation around this. Yes, it was. Long enough for Stuart Heritage to write a bizarre column, getting angry about the idea they were doing Secret Invasion and Secret Wars, and isn't that the same thing twice? Well, no, they're not. They are no. absolutely not the same thing twice. But you've just sort of led me into... I think I've hit the nail on the head here, trying to work out what was wrong with it, Was I just kept thinking, who is it actually for? 
I can't mm. work out what it's for. And my conclusion is it has been tailored to some extent towards the sort of people who are doing those criticisms, who are writing those bizarre columns, who are moaning, who are saying, I don't want to watch this, therefore it should not exist. The problem Blogger is TV. none yeah. of them are going to watch it anyway. Any yeah. fan of Doctor Who can tell you that. 99% of the criticisms of it are from people who don't actually care. They just want to have an opinion. But they're often verging towards madness on it. I mean, literally the other day. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't think this was a good article at all. But there have been high-level objections. And when I say high-level, I mean actors, directors, people with a lot of influence have been complaining that the AV Club ran a feature sort of debunking because Martin Scorsese's yet again trotted out his, oh, people should be put in jail for going to see these films. They should go to see my He's films. He's still about Spider-Man and Dragon's Challenge. Quite possibly. But people have been saying it isn't fair to put that feature out the week Killers of the Flower Moon comes out. How is that not fair? What planet are they actually on? But I feel that to some extent it was an attempt to reach out to them, which it was never going to do. It's a show that seems to be designed more at kind of generating talk about it than the actual content itself. Yeah, it's just it's just weirdly well, done, mean, isn't it? Why did they, if it wasn't to meet the bizarre complaint that people always have about anything popular, why don't they kill people off? Which they do anyway. You know, we were just saying, literally, wouldn't it be nice if Black Widow came back? But yeah. why did they kill off Maria Hill? Just for a little bit of end of first episode bang. And to be fair, and even that is, that is... It didn't no, deliver it as far as I'm concerned. No, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, you think it would have a bit more of a kind of lasting kind of shadow over the remaining episodes, but it's brushed over really fast. And Fury's fucked off back to Bulgaria or wherever it is he's gone at this point. I mean, I just... Whatever badly graded area he's gone to this time. That's where he met Gravit, who's trying to kind of stay undercover, but is a very kind of like annoyed, loud black Welsh man. You get a feeling of they might have just probably tried to call it off at one point before, oh no, no, we're committed. We have people under contract. We need to make this. One other thing that I want to talk about is the titles. So what the hell is going on there? On one hand, you could think, okay, it's all a bit morphy. It's all a bit, oh, okay. We're going to use AI to show an impressionistic image of like a scroll covert invasion of Earth. But it just looks like it just looks like something that was made for the sci-fi channel in 2002, doesn't it? It doesn't even look as good as that. I mean, the no. argument appears to be they were saying we wanted a sense of something being not quite right. It didn't look like and that. It's got, got like a right. load of quite right. garbage. Yeah. You would have got a better effect if you got an artist and said to them, make it look not quite right. And you know, you had, I don't know, yeah. Martin Freeman with a slightly elongated nose or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been much more effective than this which yeah. didn't look like anything at all it looked exactly like the things people keep putting on twitter where i just think knock it on the head where they say i asked ai to make kajagoogoo look it looks really wrong like it was that appalling and also very unfortunate timing given the writers and actors strike that time. followed really those titles should have been used as exhibit a improving why they had the case yeah it's not on the right side of history in any way shape or form is it really i would say it's absolutely not and i think the worst thing about it just on the most basic level possible is people have been waiting a long time for a proper new Nick Fury vehicle I mean when was he last properly in it Agent's Shield I think yeah was that before or after Age of Ultron it's so long ago that I can't remember what order those two were in I know he was in Endgame and Far From Home, but not really. 
Especially because they got from home, it was a scroll as well. So yeah. people have been waiting for this, and it's completely wasted. Also, he is robbed of his final confrontation with Gravik because he's being impersonated in the only slightly convincing scroll impersonation in the entire fucking thing by Gaia. It's like, you know, he's gone off to go and do his ET phone home bit at the end. Oh, because apparently the Kree want to sign a treaty now. You know, the infamously warlike bloodthirsty Kree want to not be at war anymore. Those guys. Well, would it have been better if... Yeah, I'm not a script writer. I can't think of how they could do this off the top of my head. But if they'd done something, instead of a scroll impersonating him, him using one of... You know, the photostatic veils from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. Imagine if, you know, he tricked the scrolls. It's a thinking he was superpowered scroll and he wasn't. He touched his face and it was just him. That would have been so much better. But then that might have caused the people on Screen Run to appear to have dedicated <laughs> their whole lives to proving that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't canon. They might have... I don't know. They might have had to sell their utility room or something. I mean, it might have actually had the opposite effect. And actually, you know, those posts which come off on Facebook, whether you like it or not. It's like, here's why this thing which briefly happens in episode seven of series two of Loki is a thing. There's always lots of stuff about Ahsoka at the moment. It's all kind of like, here is an explanation of this very, very minor plot detail and how this calls back to something which was once walked past in a previous thing. I mean, that might have actually generated more kind of screen rant or rancor type articles than anything else. That would have been a really good sort of fake out as well. Oh, you're not a scroll. You're using this as well. It's like, And that just shows a bit of ingenuity and a bit of imagination. But no, instead he's buggered off somewhere and it's just been kind of left probably in a media clerk's contract. But she has to kind of get a big sort of end scene like that. Clearly a bit of star power going on there. She's perfectly good in it, but it's... Just, just odd. Just odd. You come to the end of it, it's like there was no need for any of that to happen. Well, I mean, I was talking about trying to come at things from a positive angle. It's difficult with this, although I can't remember which episode it was, but I do remember there was one episode where I thought, I actually quite enjoyed that. I think it was either the fourth or the fifth, I'm not sure. But one thing I will say, that's to be positive, we can only go upwards from here. The Skrulls and Nick Fury are back in the Marvels, which I'm going to say the basis of the trailer that's going to be good. That's going to that be looks, fun. That looks very There's good. also, it has been raised a couple of times, depending on what happens with a certain big bad in real life going forwards, that they may have to scrap a running storyline. Uh-huh. And people have been suggesting, is this being put in place so they can do the Kree Scroll War instead? I want to see those Scroll cows. I was pissed off those ones. You know who I really want to see? And I was hoping would turn up in this. Are you aware of Tara Tam? Yes, yeah. I'm sure most people listening won't know who she is. She's an associate to Howard the Duck, who was basically a hipster who ate a duck wrap that was made with a scroll in duck form. And as well as shape-shifting, it heightened all her own abilities, which included making really good lattes and having sex with George Clooney, which she does actually use in the Howard the Duck strip as a plot point. You know, I was hoping she might show up in it but not yet so yeah i'm gonna say on the basis that to make up for it could we have a howard the duck series yeah i'd be so much i mean yeah i think the marvel series do a lot better in general they're a bit less po-faced and a little bit more wacky and fun i mean i know she hulk was a bit it went down quite well with some people not that well with some others i mean i personally quite enjoyed it i thought the kind of fourth wall stuff the flea bag stuff started to get a bit old towards the end but I found it quite enjoyable. I like the playfulness of Loki. The early episodes of WandaVision where they're cycling through the different sitcom pastiches and things like that. It's like, yeah, that's great. You've got this infinite scope. Just do more stuff like that. 
but trying to be i mean at one point i'm sat there watching secret invasion episode three thinking i was like i don't know if i can get the whole way through this it is interesting that there is this sort of school of thought now that oh all the series have been rubbish and like well hang on even the harshest critics were bigging up moon knight what about as werewolf by night being completely forgotten and the being you know i know people were going to have mixed reactions things like Ms. marvel i know the falcon and the winter soldier some people liked it more than others but i don't think anyone could call it a bad series I think this is completely confected because the evidence just isn't there to support it, apart from this one slightly. And I don't think, I can't even call it bad as opposed to not good. It's inconsistent. And that's the thing about the series. I mean, when you think about it, it's quite an impressive universe that has now been put together. I mean, you remember when those early, obviously this is the Fox films, when those early X-Men film came out, there's five X-Men in it your thinking was like okay so you're gonna have five mutants and some cgi of some explosions but you're not gonna it's not gonna approach anywhere near the scope of what you could actually see on the page of a comic just because they can't really get there at that budget and these films and the tv series have gradually kind of like created this very rich version of the marvel comic universe it's got the collector and how the duck and the Time you know, Variance Jones Authority. And, yeah, the Time Variance Authority and Mr. Immortal from the Great Lakes Avengers and people like that are in it. And Titania. There's a lot of surprising characters that you can get in it, but I think the problem is the bigger it's got, perhaps the less consistent it's got because there's probably an awful lot more U-turns and shouting and sudden cast unavailabilities and last-minute rewrites and changes of direction. There's probably so much we don't know under the radar behind the scenes that affects how these programs are made. A lot of people have clearly put a lot of effort and a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this. It's just that this is a six-episode series that basically just happened and made a lot of people sort of go, oh, at the end. So many things they just could have done better and didn't. And I think the best thing they can do is reflect on its relative failure and finally make that Dominic Fortune series. <laughs> So there's only one thing left for me to ask now. Martin, if you had the ability to replicate the physical appearance of a mid-level public figure, what would you use it for? I mean, it varies depending on the time of week, really. I quite fancy doing a morning's Nagamanchetti. Okay, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> I just came out of left field of my brain. Martin, thank you, and Excelsior. <laughs> Thanks, If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.